the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hallelujah. Ron Geyer, End Time Insights. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much. It's always an honor and a privilege to come and talk to you. And we're so excited what's going on in America today. I know there's a lot of junk with fires and riots and storms, and yet I'm going to explain a lot of that to you. But uh, that's what you see, and that's what's promoted because it instills fear. But at the end of the day, I see the church waking up. I see us doing great things. Uh, There is a return. It's a type of meeting going on at the mall in Washington, D.C., uh, the 26th of, what, September. And I see a lot of churches being involved in that. That's going to be really good. Just trying to get the church back up and running as we help America open up again, not based in fear, but based in faith. The church, assuming its proper role in our society, being an influencer for God's righteousness, being an influencer for good, being a restrainer of evil. I see the church coming back up, and I'm excited, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Today, I want to talk about knowing God and judgments. There are several judgments in our nation right now as we speak. I'm referencing the California wildfires. I'm referencing the fact that Sally is out there in in Mississippi. Maybe it just hit Louisiana the last couple days, but there's another hurricane out there. And about the riots and the burnings going out throughout our major cities. And as we watch California being burned, we'll start there, burned and scorched. We see cities like Portland and others being destroyed. Let me give you the spiritual insight behind these, okay? Like I said, Hurricane Sally's just finished in the Gulf. Psalm 916, so important. The Lord is known by the judgments which he executes. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. So look at this, though. The Lord is known by the judgments which he executes. So that tells us right there that God will execute judgments in the earth, obviously. And what is the reason? So that we would know him. And we don't normally think of him as that. Well, I can know God in judgments. Absolutely. Now, that's not his first choice. But so often with our rebellion and with our lack of doing it the easy way, like my life, if you don't get it right the easy way, you're going to have to do it the hard way. Well, that's where we are in our nation, too. Psalm 916, the Lord is known by the judgments which he executes. At the end of the day, you must know God. Being alive is all about knowing God. You don't get to heaven if you don't know God. The idea behind you being given life on this earth is so that you would have a relationship with God because God loves you. And he wants you to know him intimately. We are in the earth today. Mankind has a place in the earth created and put there by God for one reason and one main reason only, and that is to know God. Matthew 7, 23. And then will I profess unto them, says Jesus, that I never knew you. Depart from me, you that are workers of iniquity. Eternity, your eternity, my eternity will be spent in either one of two places. You will either spend it with God and the saints in heaven 
or you will spend it with the devil and his angels in hell. That's it. There is no door number three. There is not another option. There are only two choices for you to make, and God is awesome. He lets you make the choice. He doesn't make it for you. That's the advantage we have as human beings. We have free will. Now, that's good news and bad news. <laughs> when we reject God, we reject his laws, then our will is manifested that fact that we don't know him and we live life in rebellion to him and there's a penalty to pay. The prerequisite for gaining entrance into heaven is receiving the new birth in Jesus and coming to know God. If one doesn't know God, you're not getting into heaven. It's just that simple. But the good news about that is God gave us a book where he reveals himself to us. He not only gave us a book, but to ensure that that's successful, he places the author of the book inside us. I love that. That is so awesome. I read all the time. And I used to read Louis L'Amour Westerns. He passed away, but I liked it because when he said he was talking about this particular mountain range or this particular body of water, he actually visited that spot. He had intimate knowledge of what he was writing about. That's what's so great about the Holy Spirit of God, the author of the Word of God. He has intimate knowledge of what he's talking about. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, Jesus Christ. And God has sent us the Holy Spirit of God for the purpose of revealing God to us. So we get the book and we get the author. We don't get the author in a chair across the street from us. We get the author right inside. Hallelujah. This book and the author combo. It gives us every opportunity to know God as we should know him. When we don't read the book is when we get in trouble. We live life on our own. We reject his laws. Whether we reject his laws out of ignorance or out of rebellion, it doesn't really matter. We wind up in the same place, separated from God. We run the risk of eternal damnation. God wrote it like this to the old-time shepherds of Israel. Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge... I will also reject thee. You shall no longer be a priest to me, seeing that you have forgotten the laws of thy God. I will also forget your children. If you want to know one of the reasons our children are in trouble today is because God has removed his hand of protection from them. Why has he done that? Because we, the shepherds, we are no longer guiding the sheep into righteous living. We have left off teaching the Bible as our sole source for information concerning who God is. And so he is bound by his word. He said it right here. If he didn't put it in there, he didn't have to honor it, but he put it in there. Because thou hast rejected my word, because thou hast rejected my laws, because thou hast rejected my salvation, my plan for living, because you have rejected that, I will reject you. You may no longer be a priest to me. You may no longer be a shepherd. And the fruit of that is also that I'm going to forget about your children. Because of God's great love towards us, though, he takes further measures to love us, even when we reject the Bible, when we reject his laws. But we have to get past the sin problem first. But that's fine because Jesus dealt with the sin problem. So God uses different ways to get our attention. The first way is he wants to bless us. He won't, don't forget, he wants to know us and he wants us to know him. And so when we read the Bible, when we build a relationship with him, when we get born again, when we get saved, that's how we get to know him. But Barring that, when we reject that, when we don't do that, when we don't obey his commandments, he still wants to know us. That's what love is. And so he sends his goodness to us. A lot of people think that God blesses us and his goodness is because we're doing good. Well, it may be on some level, but at the end of the day, the Bible says, Romans 2, 4, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. 
Once again, the Word of God is always our final authority. If you have any questions, just turn your mind off. Forget about what you think. Get in the book, and let's hear what the author of your life has to say about it. And here in Romans, he says, The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. But notice he puts it in a question form. The words before that are, Don't you know, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? The implication is clear. You are supposed to know that America, when America is blessed, it's designed to lead you to repent of your sin and to get back into a relationship with him. That's one of the problems with America. We've gotten so blessed and we live such a life of abundance. The The house that you live in is a mansion to people in other parts of the world. The car that you're driving is a luxury. I don't care if it's falling apart and it's got four flat tires. That's a luxury to people in foreign nations. And we are so blessed in America, and yet the Bible just says, that goodness by God. You were blessed by God. Nobody else blessed you. You were blessed by God. And that blessing is designed to bring you back into relationship with him. He does it that way because that's how we respond. It's great. The goodness, it's got a built-in repentance. It's inherent in there. Uh, Let's see. His goodness is to lead us to repentance. It's embedded. He is embedded repentance into the goodness that he blesses us with. Once again, that's because he loves us. So we see we can know him intimately by reading the Bible. We can know him intimately by responding to the repentance of his goodness and getting back in fellowship with him. If we ignore those two, then he still doesn't give up on us. That's not who he is. He's just like in Israel's time. Uh, Christ, God, used the prophets to get the people's attention. And he brought the prophets so that they would tell them when they were doing wrong, just like the goodness of God. If you read the Old Testament, you read the prophets, you're going to see most of the time the prophets weren't telling them that they were going to have birthday parties and things were going to be great. They were telling them, hey, you're missing God, you're drifting away, this is what you need to do to fix the problem. Even in the book of Revelation, then Jesus is talking to the seven churches. He's always correcting us. He's always fixing the problem. He's telling us what we're doing right. Then he's telling us what we're doing wrong. Then he tells us how to fix what we're doing wrong. And then he gives us the promises that are available to us if we will make those adjustments in our lives. It's the same way with the prophets of God. He still does this today. Prophets such as Jeremiah and Isaiah, Amos and others, they were greatly anointed by God in the Old Testament to remind Israel of God's promises, both the blessings and the curses. Amos, others, all of them. Modern-day preachers such as Jonathan Kahn, Franklin Graham, uh, Mario Murillo, there's many others, are challenging our sinful lives and warning us about God's impending wrath, which is right around the corner. So if we still fail to listen to the prophets, then God has one last way of dealing with us, and that's what I wanted to focus on today. His supernatural love for us demands he uses every tool in his toolbox to reveal what that great love looks like towards us. He will send judgments, remedial judgments. He will send judgments to us as individuals and he will send judgments to us as a nation. But he will send judgments to us because he doesn't want the alternative for us to take place. Isaiah 26, 9, with my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yes, with my spirit within me will I seek you early, Lord, for when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness, or the inhabitants of the world will learn what right living looks like. When thy judgments are in the earth. So we see it. The first scripture we started with was that the Lord is known by the judgment which he executes. And over here we see, with my soul have I desire thee, for when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. His judgments are to correct us. Understand this. 
It's not his first choice. Believe me, it's not. As a matter of fact, it's way down on the list of how he summons us. And yet, his list of methods that brings us closer to him, it's so much better than giving up on us because he knows if that ever happens, we mark ourselves. He doesn't mark us. We mark ourselves for a reservation in hell, an eternity without him, an eternity without the family of God, an eternity spent in constant torment with Satan and the rest of the people, the fallen angels and those that have rejected God and his love and his offer of salvation. But look at that. Don't be scared of the judgments. We don't understand this. Very rarely is God angry in his judgments. You know, when my mom and dad, if I messed up and I didn't do what they said, picture that as the Bible. Okay, right? My home had a Bible. Well, you're not drinking, you're not smoking, you're not doing any of this stuff. And so that was my family Bible. When I rejected that, sometimes they would punish me. And that's because they loved me. When they were doing really good, it wasn't done in anger, but sometimes they were angry. But at the end of the day, they did it because they loved me. And God is no different. God's God. He's perfect. His righteousness is perfect. His judgment is perfect. And so very rarely does he get angry and discipline us in a spirit of anger. He does it in a spirit of correction, which is motivated by his great love for us. We see this here. Look at and California. I mean, look, look, look at what's going on in California. God knows how many times he has spoken to California. God knows how many times he has drawn them to him. God knows how many times he has offered them salvation. You know, California, it, I think Texas, what is it? Texas has the greatest evangelical population or Texas has the most churches. I forget what it is, but California is second. And you see John MacArthur right now. John MacArthur over there, wonderful man of God, and he's doing great things. And he's being persecuted by Governor Newsom and by the Democrats over there. And they not only tried to close his church, now they're taking away his parking lot. I mean, th this is an on-all assault. John MacArthur is the vehicle, but basically these people are fighting God. And you can't fight with God, you know. Their state is on fire. They're about to run out of trees and grass to burn. That's how bad it is. And, you know, some blame careless campers for the fires. Some blame the EPA and the crazy policies that they initiated, which neglect the proper management of the land. Some blame the devil. But at the end of the day, it's the judgment of God. How can you say that, Ron? Why? Well, several reasons come to mind. Number one, I spoke already about uh, they're, they're fighting the people of God, the churches of God. They are leading the nation in the persecution of the people that are preaching the gospel, which truly is the only hope for America, the only hope of salvation, the only hope of turning our nation around. And I love the fact it's taking place in California. It's such a fabulous state. It's such a fabulous place uh, to visit with their natural landscapes, their gorgeous golf courses. Yes, I'm a golfer. But it's a wonderful state. There's thousands of Christian churches in there. And they're standing with John MacArthur, by the way. God bless them. But it's the judgment of God because look what else they've done. They're passing laws legalizing pedophilia. Where was that law? I just My wife gave it to me today. It was a law where they went ahead and California Governor Newsom has been playing the harlot. His idolatry has led to his stiff-necked response to God's authority. He is a modern-day pharaoh. He is shaking his fist in the face of God's face. And in an open rebuke of the state that he governs, God is challenging him right back. Just like with Moses and the snakes eating the vipers conjured by the pharaoh's magician, Newsom will not win this battle. You know, the locusts, the flies, the darkness, the killing of the firstborn, those were God's judgments on Pharaoh for refusing to get with the program of God. 
Well, Governor Newsom is no different. California is no different. He is the same God, and he judges that state when they are in rebellion to him. His promotion and legalization of pedophilia is further spitting in God's face. The same God who is trying to get his message of repentance across to Californians through these judgments. At some point, California is going to run out of grasslands. They're just burning up 22 of the uh, largest 24 fires that have ever taken place in California are right now. They're taking place right now. Furthermore, he's engaged in his very personal war against Pastor MacArthur. I'm telling you, he is asking for trouble. Churches, you got to fight with MacArthur. You got to stand with him, man. Pastor, every pastor in America needs to send him a note of encouragement. Just a little thing. I'm with you, brother. It takes you 10 seconds. Send them 20 bucks, 10 bucks, 50 bucks while you're doing it. Let him know you are in agreement. Let the body of Christ rise up together in power and authority. This is a wonderful opportunity. And don't you think for a minute this isn't your fight because it's in California. That's not how it goes. This is Christianity 101. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one mourns, we all mourn. This is my fight. This is my battle. This is how I fight my battles. I stand in the gap and I speak the truth into darkness. I pray for those that are attempting to dismantle the churches throughout our nation. I rebuke them. I restrain their evil. I support the pastors that are fighting. That's how I fight my battles. I'm sorry. You need to join in the fight, in the fray. It may be in California today. It may be in Texas tomorrow. Jeremiah 8, 5 through 13. These are some awesome scriptures. I did want to talk briefly about uh, another judgment that's taking place. The storm has already been here, but you got to understand something. Remember we had Laura? We had Laura, what, a month ago, something like that? And that was because President Trump had uh, coerced Israel into signing a deal that would create uh, diplomatic relations with the UAE, United Arab Emirate Republic, and the UAE was willing to sign the deal only if Israel agreed to not put settlers in the West Bank. Now, they use the phrase annexation. They think that Israel is annexing the West Bank. Now, first of all, you don't annex what you already own. Israel already owns the West Bank. That's God's promise of land given to them. Truth be told, they're in for a lot of surprises. Israel owns parts of Iraq, Syria, Lebanon. Uh, I'm going west. I forget the names, but they're there. Israel owns like six land on six different nations that are opposing them right now. They will get that land back when God comes back, when Jesus comes back, sets up his millennial kingdom. But for now, they're trying to force Israel for a two-state solution. This is part and parcel to that. This is just another step. So when Laura came, God wanted us to know that you cannot do this. You cannot make an agreement with the ungodly in my land. I told you not to do that. So they put the plan together. They were all set to sign it on September 15th. God let us know he was displeased. We were in rebellion to his plans. United States, we were violating what we know to be true in the Bible. No two-state solution for Israel. That land belongs to Israel. God sent Hurricane Laura to get our attention. Look at this. This is fabulous. Now, Hurricane Sally... She's coming in, and she landed in September 15th. September 15th. What else happened September 15th? Well, on September 15th, the nations that formed this deal got together and officially signed it. I'm telling you, God is letting us know that he is here. Go back to the scripture. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executes. If you don't know that God is telling you, I am against this deal, then you don't know your Bible and you don't know your God. You've got to put away your carnal thinking and get with the program. They're giving Mr. Trump, and I love Mr. Trump, they're giving him a Nobel Peace Prize because they've done that. Your antenna should go up. Your spiritual ears should be burning. You should be going, wait, 
wait, these ungodly nations are going to give President Trump a peace deal? You bet they are because they know this is just the next step in the two-state solution where Israel eventually will be assaulted and their hope is that Israel will be destroyed. You know that's never going to happen. But here we are honoring President Trump with the enemies of Israel. They're not pleased about this. The Palestinians are never going to settle. You've got to understand this. The peace plan is false. It's built on lies. Jeremiah 8, 5 through 13. Uh, Jesus is talking. Why then is this people of Jerusalem with a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast deceit. They refuse to return. You could have plugged America right in here. America, a perpetual backsliding. I don't see us repenting on any level anytime soon. I understand the church has been silent about that, and that's part of the reason why we haven't uh, repented. But we've got to do a 90-degree turnaround. Verse 6, I hearkened and heard, but the people of Israel spoke not aright. No man repented him of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Everyone turned to his course as the horse rushes into battle. God could not believe that we are not repenting, that Israel was not repenting. God couldn't understand it. I've sent you my goodness. I've sent you my prophets. I've sent you my judgments. And yet you're still not repenting. What is wrong with you? That is so applicable to America today. The West Coast is burning. The Northwest is, our cities are being destroyed and ruined. Chicago is murdering dozens of people every weekend. We've got another hurricane coming out there because of the ungodly peace initiative that we're putting Israel through yet. And God's out there trying to get our attention. Come on, church, you have got to make the connection. God is speaking to our nation, not because he hates it, because he loves you as individuals. Look at this, verse 7. This is so important. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 7. Yea, the stork in heaven knoweth her appointed times, and the turtle, and the crane, mm, talking about these birds, and the swallow. They observe the times of their coming. But my people, us, the church, Israel, but my people, the children of God, the children of Israel, my people know not the judgment of the Lord. I'm trying to tell you guys what's going on around us today, the COVID thing, the fear that's being promoted to make that worse than it is. That's God's judgment upon our land. What's he got to judge America for? You got to be crazy. 60 million dead babies. Come on. Pornography, pedophilia, gay sexual depravity at every turn, murder in our streets. And you're wondering what's God got to judge us for? I'm telling you, God is judging us. And just like the scripture says, my people know not the judgment of the Lord. You must respond to that. He is calling you. He is wooing you. You have rejected the Bible. You have rejected the word of God. You have rejected his laws. You have rejected his counsel for living godly. You have rejected the prophets. You've made fun of them. You've rejected the goodness. You figured you made it, not God. And now he's judging us. And we're sitting there doing nothing. The churches are closed. Why are the churches closed? Because Satan knows that if he can keep the churches quiet, if he can keep the churches fearfully hiding in the corner, there's no fear of us letting them know that these judgments are from God. And it's because he loves us, because he doesn't want us falling down. He doesn't want us backsliding. He does not want us spending eternity in hell. My friend, that is exactly what is going to happen if we do not repent and change our ways. God uses Jeremiah once again to remind his children. We are to know the times and the seasons. The church is to know that. Let me read it again. But my people know not the judgment of God. The birds know it. 
birds with minuscule brains, they know this when it's time. They know when they're supposed to fly home. They know when they're supposed to have eggs. They know when they're supposed to do all this stuff. And God says, the birds know it. You don't know it. My people don't know it. What is wrong with you? He is astounded, ladies and gentlemen, that we have not repented. We have got to repent. We have got to come back to the Lord. We must, as a nation, repent. We must give him our hearts. We must acknowledge the fact that we are sinners, that we cannot save ourselves, that we need a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. He died for our sins. It is so simple. Change your life. Ask him to come into your life. Jesus paid the penalty for your sins on the cross 2,000 years ago. The only way to know God, Jesus said, you must be born again. Must be, not can be, not ought to be, not should be. No, it, it would not be nice if you did. You must be born again. I'm praying that you will accept that offer of salvation through Jesus Christ. Have a great weekend. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.